Are we victims or are we entitled? The guest on this episode of the AMPM podcast discusses all things legal when it comes to Amazon. We're going to be talking about our rights as sellers, things I didn't even know, like we are not allowed to file a class action lawsuit against Amazon. I had no idea. We're also going to talk about things like the liability of educators and gurus within the Amazon and e-commerce space. This is going to be a great episode. Make sure you listen to the end. Check it out. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and in every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock, in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AMPM Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the AMPM Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about all things legal. And unfortunately, I cannot claim to be an attorney, but our guest today can. And Yale, that is how you pronounce your name, right? Yale? Yale, yeah. You can say Yale like the university. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Every time I start to say her name, I get a little bit hesitant. I'm like, did I say that right? So it's <laughs> Yale Cowbilly, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And you, I guess, have popped up recently as one of the legal experts here in the Amazon field, which is a growing field, you know, the e-commerce marketplace field. And as I understand it, you never expected to get into this industry or this genre of law. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So tell me how you ended up here. Yeah, okay. Um, I, uh, so I was a trademark lawyer. Um, I was doing trademarks and copyrights. Um, I lived in New York for a while and, uh, and, when, and I studied uh, e-commerce and, uh, and IP. So I started focusing on uh, e-commerce when I went to law school in New York. Um, and then, you know, when I came back here to Israel, um, a few an, an Amazon seller uh, came to me and had a problem with uh, some trademark issue, um, so I helped him. And I remember he told me uh, that he was the head of uh, you know a community of uh, about a thousand sellers. Um, and he asked me if he could tell the story of what happened to him um, and how this could be prevented. Um, and so I said, "Yeah, of course, go ahead." And so he told the story on the Facebook group. Uh, the Facebook group now has 15,000 sellers. Um, and so he told the story. And the same day, 20 sellers came to me um, and asked for help. So I thought, wow, there's something interesting here. Um, and then we did a webinar about intellectual property on Amazon. And 40 sellers came to me that day. Um, so I re realized there's a part of law that's not really, you know, there's no, there are no lawyers in that field. Um, so I opened an account um, and I started selling like arbitrage just to get the feeling of, you know, how it works and the seller central. Um, and I started helping sellers with suspensions, you know, accounts that get closed for IP or for something else. Um, and one thing led to another and I decided to open my separate firm that deals with IP and e-commerce. That was in 2016. Um, and then it grew, <laughs> you know, just like my clients, we, we grew with them. Uh, today we're 11. Uh, most of the attorneys are uh, New York attorneys. 
And uh, we deal, I think, 90% of my business is, uh, maybe 95% of my business is based on Amazon and problems on Amazon. So like half of the firm does suspensions and the other half does trademark, copyright, registration and, uh, and issues uh, around intellectual property. All right. So it seems like the two largest sectors of help needed from a legal standpoint for marketplace sellers, not just Amazon, but Walmart, eBay, Etsy, whatever it is. The two biggest ones are intellectual property protection and then seller protection, right? So intellectual property protection, and correct me if I'm wrong, would be protecting yourselves from being infringed upon by other sellers. So someone stealing your patent idea, someone utilizing your your trademark, utilizing something that you've you've protected, right? And there's a lot of content. There's a lot of people that talk about that. I actually don't want to run down that rabbit trail on this interview. What I'd like to do is talk about the segment of your business, the segment of needed legal protection for Amazon sellers on the marketplace itself, right? And I've got a few questions, a few things that I want to bring up. I've got a few ideas that I want to share with you and see what you think. But tell me the majority of your business protecting people from the marketplace themselves. What does that entail? I know that you've talked about like suspensions and things like that, but tell us the bulk of how you're helping sellers based on the problems that they're encountering that they kind of need some legal muscle with. Right. Um, So I found that there are two main problems on Amazon in particular, but other platforms as well. Uh, one is protecting your IP and the second, and maybe even more important, not to infringe other people's IP. And I think that um, the second is where many sellers don't know anything and they don't know what they're missing. And they're always very, very, they're always very surprised uh, when they get those problems. Um, so, for example, one of the things I do all the time is to give lectures of how not to infringe patents, how not to infringe trademark, where you know where you look uh, and how to search for a trademark before you you, you pick your brand. One of the the, the most the, the craziest issue that we see all the time is people choosing a brand. And then starting manufacturing uh, and then starting the whole process and getting reviews and everything. And then they want to get a trademark and they cannot get a trademark because it's taken. Um, And if they would would have searched at the beginning, if the trademark is taken or not, then uh, that wouldn't happen. And when that happened, it's it's very difficult. They have to do it all over again. They cannot just change the brand today. Amazon doesn't allow it. So I'm trying to educate as much as I can to you know, how to prevent those mistakes from the beginning, how not to infringe, how not to miss a trademark search, and also uh, to make Amazon sellers understand that they have IP. Uh, for example, you own copyrights, okay? Mo- ever anybody owns copyrights. Uh, if I, you know, if my son draws, uh, he's not, he's not, you know, it doesn't draw that well. <laughs> so he draws something really, really ugly. He has copyrights over that thing. Um, so if you take a picture on your iPhone, you have copyrights. So, I'm, you know, the second thing is to educate sellers um, that they own something. So they have, in most cases, uh, a private label. He owns a brand. So he, own, he owns a trademark. Even before the registration, he owns rights in, in that brand. Um, and he, he owns copyrights in those photos. So again, many sellers, you know, they complain about other sellers taking their photos and copying there on another listing. 
there's a very easy way to just, you know, complain to Amazon, uh, file a complaint uh, according to the DMCA. It takes five minutes. I can explain to you how to do it. And, uh, and the other one is gone. Um, so I feel that, you know, in that sense, Amazon does enforce and sometimes over enforce. Um, so the main problems that that Amazon sellers are are facing is um, the when they infringe something and they did not know there is a patent um, and uh, and how to enforce. They don't know how to do it, although it's super simple. And I see a lot of people, and I'm sure you do too, that automatically assume that they're innocent. Right. So a lot of people I'm sure contact you. Oh, Amazon suspended my listings or Amazon suspended me. This isn't fair. Like, yeah. like this shouldn't be happening to me. Help me. And I suspect that a lot of times you look and you realize, Hey, you screwed up. Right. <laughs> and I see this all the time in Facebook groups. I th- see this all the time in the community. I'm going to use this word and it's going to freak a lot of people out. And I'm going to get like people DMing me on Facebook with hate mail and that's okay. But I feel like we, as especially a community, I won't say a society in general, although I might agree with that too, but we as a community of sellers are entitled or we feel entitled. And, and this is like one of the soapboxes I can get on all the time is people get so upset because life wasn't fair to them or because they were treated unjustly. And what I'm noticing is a lot of the times the people that are complaining about not being treated fairly didn't put in the work, they didn't do their own due diligence or they screwed up, right? And I think that a lot of this comes from this atmosphere that's created around e-commerce of this is easy. You know, the the guys are running Facebook messages, you know, pay me $15,000, I'll return your investment twice over in the next six right. months because it's easy. E-commerce is easy. Do this, do this. So I think that a lot of people are coming into this area, this this segment of business as this should be easy. And then when I find out, hey, it's hard, it, that, that doesn't go well with them. You know, it, it kind of rubs them the wrong way. So how do you attempt to educate people that, Hey, you've actually screwed up. You were suspended for a legitimate reason. Like you have to take ownership of this. And then how do you start creating a solution for them where they can start selling again, especially when a platform like Amazon is one of those, like you're guilty until you can prove yourself innocent. Like someone just makes a claim, Oh, they're infringing my IP, whether it's true or not. Amazon cuts you off. So how do you explain to people, hey, you screwed up, and then how do you start getting them on the right track and selling again? Yeah, I had some of the sellers, you know, actually cry. Um, it's not always easy. <laughs> uh, but it usually starts with, you know, yeah, I got uh, I got a patent issue or I got, I got a copyright issue. And you'll see, I mean, there are 45 sellers selling that product. I'm sure I'm okay. Um, I had, I had a client just, you know, a few weeks ago who came to me and said, I, I got a copyright complaint. Um, I'm going to send it to you. You're going to see it's completely different. I'm completely innocent. Um, you'll see it's an easy case. I, I, I want a discount on it, you know? <laughs> so I open it and then I opened two files. You know, I asked for the, the original and, you know, the one of the complainant and yours. And I open it and, you know, I called him and I say, you sent me twice the same file. And he said, no, uh, if you look closely here on the side, it's a little, it's rounded and mine is a little different. And, you know, when it looks the same, it looks the same. So, um, so yeah, so sometimes I have to tell them, listen here, um, there's a problem in many cases, there's actually something you can do. Uh, but in some cases, you know, imagine you're selling 
a battle, okay? You haven't, you, you've done an online course. They never told you that you should check patents. That's not part of the course. Um, so the private labels, usually that's what they do, right? They choose a product that already exists on Amazon. They did not invent it. Um, they change it, they, you know, they try to make it better. So they change the colors or something, but very often they don't change the shape. And then they go on Amazon they see 40 other sellers, so they feel it's fine, right? Um, and then turns out there's a patent on this product. Now, if there's a patent on this product, it's not about changing the listing. It's not about changing the packaging. It's the product. The product is infringing, right? Um, so sometimes, you know, this is what I have to tell them. But then you see, you know, I always say I, I can see if a person will succeed on Amazon or not, uh, just by the first conversation I have with them when they infringe something. So, you know, you have like two types. One of them will say, oh, wow, what do I do now? And why did, you know, how come I wasn't told on the course to do a search? And why isn't the guy responding to me? That's not right. Why, why can't they remove their complaint? I didn't do that on purpose. And why and why and why? And then there are the, the others who are the fighters, I call them. I know those will succeed on Amazon. Uh, when that happened, they're on it. So, the, the, you know, they search and, you know, I asked them, let, let's try to find a prior art. Maybe there was a patent, the patent wasn't, shouldn't be registered. So let's try together to find a prior publication. And then they search and then we invalidate that patent and we fight together or we do not invalidate, but then we go to the rights owner and we get, you know, we can negotiate because we have we have something to negotiate with, right? We can invalidate the patent if we want. So there are many things that can be done. You can sell it. If it's infringing in the US, you can sell it in Canada. You can, you know, you can try and get a license. You can do a lot of things, uh, but you should you should keep fighting. And what's interesting is that those that learn the hard way, right? Those that have been suspended for patents, then, you know, a month later or two months later, they knock on our door and they say, yeah, I want to, you know, I have a new design. Can we do a patent? Can we register a copyright? What can we do to protect? So you move from being the infringer to being the rights owner. And, you know, when I deal with the exits on, you know, on the second company uh, I'm partner at, um, when I deal with exits, I see the importance of intellectual property. You know, buyers look at IP and the valuation of the business is just higher when you have IP. You can enforce sure. it. You can prevent others from copying you. Um, so moving from being the infringer that got stuck with the stock of 2,000 units to being the one removing other sellers, suddenly they don't respond to emails, you know, they don't remove the complaints. So um, it's interesting to see how they're shifting. So right now we've talked about seller versus seller, right? right. So a seller makes a complaint against another seller. But one of the areas that I see a lot of people pretending to be legal experts is when it comes to Amazon themselves, right? You've used the term fighting, like fighting for your rights, fighting against infringement, fighting against injustice. And a lot of people are actually fighting against Amazon right now. So we know that recently we've seen headlines where, as far as I'm concerned, Amazon's completely guilty of uh, intentionally taking people's research and taking people's product ideas. And, you know, Amazon's been a turd lately. We've seen where even Congress and here in the U.S. is involved in investigating Amazon for all sorts of different things. And I think that like, going back to the word entitled, 
a lot of people feel like Amazon is the big bad wolf, right? When in fact, Amazon is more like Shrek, you know, lots of layers. There's a lot of bad, but there's a lot of good, in my opinion. You know, Amazon gives us an opportunity because they built the infrastructure. You know, we have the traffic. We can throw up a listing, optimize it, and get 280 million people in the U.S. looking at it. You know, there are some benefits. But I know that Amazon also has a lot of different sides that they play, right? So if you look at the Amazon flywheel, Jeff Bezos's famous flywheel, the reason that Amazon does well is it blends a lot of components. They have a great product catalog because they brought in a lot of great sellers, because they brought in a lot of great buyers. The buyers bring the sellers and the sellers bring the catalog and the catalog brings the buyers and it's this big centrifugal wheel. So Amazon also has to make a lot of decisions which are going to hack off different people. Sometimes they make a decision that obviously benefits the buyers. Sometimes it makes a decision which definitely benefits or does not benefit the sellers. So explain to me a little bit about how you see Amazon as being a court, right? And you mentioned, uh, you've mentioned before something about Amazon as a court and uh, Jeff Bezos is the Supreme Court. And unfortunately, because Amazon has their own terms of service, they have their own platform, they get to make up some of their own rules. So for example, if someone claims an IP infringement against me, you know, they it, legally, if they were wanting some sort of restitution, they would have to take me to an actual court where Amazon gets to play by a different set of rules. They can say, okay, Tim suspended until, you know, Tim can prove his innocence. So let's talk about the court of Amazon. Let's talk about some of the hot topics that are going on there. And tell me more about this concept of Jeff Bezos being the, the Supreme Court. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you, when you think about Amazon, you need to compare it to other platforms as well. And, you know, when I deal, deal with Google, for example, Facebook, um, when you're suspended, good luck with that. Nobody will get like 20 appeals like we do on Amazon. I, you know, we get sometimes cases where the seller has appealed 10 times, 12 times, uh, and we can still get him reinstated. So I feel that, you know, on the one hand, it's true that Amazon suspends very quickly, but it's based on an algorithm. Like how, how could they operate without doing that? So you're, you're suspended by the algorithm, right? But then when you get reinstated, somebody actually reads the appeal. You know, many of our clients say, I got a template, nobody listens, nobody reads it. It's actually not true. Somebody reads it, although the response is a template, right? If you're if you're rejected, you'll get that template. If you're in, you know, if you're, you, you're reinstated, you'll get another template. But somebody actually reads your appeal. So I feel with Amazon, you know, over the years, I feel it's the land of, you know, endless possibilities. So one is, you know, of course, the sale. Um, I have a 23-year-old client who sold his business for $5 million. He's just three years on Amazon. It's, it's crazy. Um, and, and when you get suspended, you can file an appeal and another appeal and another appeal. And then you can appeal to the Supreme Court of Jeff Bezos, um, which is, you know, the last court. I, when I deal, uh, when, when I and my team, when we deal with, uh, with, uh, suspension issue on on Amazon we take it as a legal case you know like there's a judge the judge is the seller performance um and then there's the supreme court which is uh, the 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 escalation team of Jeff Bezos of course that's not him we all know uh but this team is 
very helpful when we feel that the seller performance doesn't listen or doesn't understand what we're saying. Um, so, so the way we work is we start from the beginning and then we work it up and it reminds me when I was litigating for uh, for Nike. Okay, we started in Discord and then we went up and up and up uh, on the ladder. So, uh, so, so I feel that you know, sellers. I, I get it that they're uh, they're frustrated. It's very frustrating to be you know a five year seller and then one day they just shut you off without any warning, anything. Um, Hopefully, and I think that Amazon is getting better than that, um, it won't be that sudden. They won't shut it, you know, with time. I think that we're going to get there. I think that Amazon is going to give, you know, give you a heads up. Um, if you're a seller that listens to notices, you'll see that very often they tell you, you know, once once they're suspended, clients tell me, oh, yeah, you know what? I got I got a warning about that variation and then I got it again. But, you know, I... I thought it's it's it was okay to just merge them again or to create a child that Amazon told me not to create. So, you know, I I recreated it because Amazon didn't do anything. They didn't enforce. And so I did it again and again and again. So what if I got 25 notices, you know, <laughs> they never told me they're going to suspend me forever. So I think that, you know, there's a balance here. Uh, Amazon definitely needs to improve. Uh, there are a lot of, false uh, alarms and uh, we see that with uh, related accounts uh, we see that a lot late especially lately a lot of people receive a warning that their account is suspended because they're related to another account that was suspended in the past and that's why they cannot sell on amazon and bye bye you cannot you know there's nothing to do you try to convince me the chances are very low um, so we see a lot of false positive uh, but very often Amazon is right. And in 95% of the cases, there's, uh, there's something to do here. Um, there's one thing that I feel, you know, that frustrates me personally, and that's the, the holding of the funds. Um, are yep. you aware of, uh, of what's happening there? So I have, it's been about four years, but I was suspended and it was my fault. I was infringing on someone's IP. I, like you were talking about, I didn't know any better. It was an honest mistake. And they ended up holding six figures, six figures, over $100,000 for like eight weeks until I was able to get reinstated. So I don't know what the current climate is, what they're doing, but I have had some serious funds held up. And you were you were lucky because you got your money back. So imagine, yep. you know, and what, I, what we see lately in the last year, I would say, um, Amazon suspends uh, one of our clients, okay? And then, and then they say that you're suspended because it's inauthentic. Please give us the invoices, right? Prove that you're selling, you're not selling counterfeit. Prove that you're selling the right, the, the, the original product, right? So they, they give the, the invoice. It's actually, you know, I know, I know the client, I know the goods, I know that the goods aren't counterfeit. So we show the invoices. Um, the invoice is an invoice of, let's say, the official distributor of the brand in Ukraine, right? So Amazon looks at the invoice. I don't know the official distributor. I don't know him. It doesn't look like the brand. Bye-bye, okay? And then they close the account. The problem is they allow themselves not to give you the funds that are stuck there and they, they, they withhold them forever. Uh, not just for six weeks, not for three months like they used to do, forever. 
So we have, you know, we have clients with 100K stuck there. And we have, so for those, we fight on arbitration. But then we have clients with just 5K, right? Would you take a lawyer? Would you go to an arbitration? Just, you know, just hiring the lawyer costs more than the funds you have there. How will you fight it yourself? You just let it go. So 5K here and 10K here and 2,000. So we thought that's a great case for class action, right? But turns out you cannot file a class action against Amazon. Have you heard of a class action against Amazon? That doesn't exist. Uh, why? 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 Because when you sign the terms of service, uh, you actually agreed that everything will go through arbitration. Everything except for intellectual property issues that where you can file an actual uh, lawsuit. Everything will go through arbitration and arbitration is not a class action. So, you know, you can go to 10 law firms of, uh, of class actions. Nobody will take that case because, because of that clause. Um, so you're thinking, wow, this is unconstitutional, right? This is, this, this is. Yeah. Right. I feel like it's like, it's like signing a deal with the devil, you exactly. know, like we, we need Amazon, but Amazon, because they built it, they get to make their own rules. Is that common with other businesses? I've never heard of this. I didn't realize that, that we've eliminated, you know, basically signed away our rights to, uh, to file a lawsuit. Are there other platforms and businesses that do this? Yes. Yes. Uh, actually all the platforms are now doing it because the Supreme court of America actually, uh, thought that it's okay to have a clause like that. So now all the all the marketplaces, everything, everybody is doing that, and uh, hopefully it will change. But uh, this will be through legislation or things like you know, yeah. it won't be through one seller. Uh, so even so- the sellers whose products were intentionally getting stolen, they can't sue Amazon. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, except for intellectual property, again, you cannot sue Amazon. You can file an arbitration, which is a kind. You know, in most cases, you actually want to file an arbitration. It's easier. It's quicker. It doesn't cost much. You know, within three months, you're done. Uh, but but this is not. You know, but this is not court. Um, yeah. And, yeah. So it's it's almost like Amazon has positioned themselves to be above the law. In some Would cases, you agree with that? Yeah, especially in, you know, uh, regarding the funds, this is something that I take really personally. Uh, wow. but, but yeah, they, they, you know, on Amazon, I feel that they make the law um, and they enforce it, right? Uh, so uh, that that can be a problem, obviously. Uh, the arbitration is, is actually something, you know, external. So at least you have a decent judge and most arbitrations are, are actually fine. But when it comes to $5,000, you won't go to arbitration. Yeah. That's where the problem is. That's where I feel that something needs to change and, and uh, I'm acting on it. But, you know, hopefully something will happen. Wow. That is so crazy. I'm writing down notes because this is stuff I've never heard of. Um, it's pretty wild. So where do you think things go from here when it comes to consumer protection and consumers being us, the sellers, being able to protect ourselves from Amazon? Do you think that sellers form unions? Do you think that legislation changes Amazon's ability to, for example, not be wrapped up in a class action lawsuit or, or what is like, 2021 look out from a look like from a legal perspective of potential changes coming in with Amazon. 2021 
not sure. <laughs> Maybe in a few years there will be a union and things will happen. Maybe there will be other platforms that will be stronger um, so that they won't be able to do uh, anything they want, right? Um, you know, we don't know. When, when you try, if you read and, you know, when you speak with the community, Nobody really wants to fight Amazon because they're, yeah. somebody told me once, it's like, it's like a boss, but a mean boss, right? I mean, this is where you get the money from and you get nice money, but, uh, but then they're really mean and they, they, they try to fire you all the time. Um, yeah, it, it's yeah they're always of, threatening to fire you, but they're paying you so good. You can't afford to just walk away and leave. Right. So you just right. take the abuse. And they always expect, you know, sellers expect that when they're larger or when they kind of bring money to Amazon, things will not happen, but the algorithm is still there. Uh, and so if you're infringing, you may be the largest Amazon seller, but if someone files a complaint against you for trademark infringement, you're gone. You can be the top, you know, we work with the top 50 sellers. Uh, you know, we have one of the top 50, top 60, top 70. I can tell you they get suspended. Some of them have, 60 to 70 copyright or trademark infringement at the time we're speaking now they're not you know they won't get entirely suspended their account is not easily suspended uh because of the algorithm so amazon does accept that they they are large seller and they won't shut down everything so quickly uh but the listing will be suspended uh this is how yeah. it works and amazon does not look at how much money they get from that listing that's something that i get a lot um they look at you know they look at the customers at the end yeah. with uh, their uh, customer obsessed right this is what bezos says all the time so let me ask you about another legal Another set of legal implications, all right? And and this is something that I didn't think I was going to ask, and now it, it's kind of popped in my head. I want to know. When we're talking about responsibility, we've talked about entitlement, we've talked about protection. One of the areas that's become a hot topic recently in conversations that I'm seeing all across the board is the area of misinformation, right? Misrepresentation. And this is coming from people, and you've already mentioned it, that have a course, you know, people that are acting as consultants and giving bad information. And I'll give a little bit of, of background reason. It's kind of fresh in my mind right now and it has to do with suspensions. Is Are you familiar with the Dynasty Toys brand? No. You need to go research this. This is something that uh, right now, you know, as we're recording this, is popping up as a very, very big example or maybe case studies coming up. But essentially, there was uh, an audience leader out there that was promoting an investment opportunity. Okay. Uh, invest in this brand that we're selling on Amazon. You'll get a, a return. It's going to be great. Yada, yada, yada. And all these people just took word for it. They were probably, majority of them were inexperienced enough where they didn't understand the implications. They didn't understand, you know, what's going to happen. And this brand, while trying to rank this listing, rank this ASIN that they had millions of dollars, I presume, invested in, they were doing some black hat things. Right, whether it's review solicitation, whether it's ranking and algorithm manipulation. And in just in the past two weeks, I've seen a lot of people that are getting suspended, specifically referenced to this brand. You're involved in this, you're suspended, you're suspended. What does a seller and, and and from what I can see, there is no appeal. This is one of those like you're done, don't even try to appeal, you're out. 
Who's responsible for that? Do you think that the seller who invested in this brand and and started buying this product and letting someone else try to rank it is responsible? Do you think that the influencer that was pushing this should be responsible? And do you think that Amazon even cares that somebody was manipulator, somebody who's given misinformation? Or do they only look at the specific relationship between the seller and Amazon? You know, in a situation like that, whose fault is it? Do you think that the seller is a victim or do you think that it's their fault for not doing their due diligence and learning before they threw money at this and, and got wrapped up in something they shouldn't have? It's a good question. And, um, you know, I ask myself a lot, but I think that it, the courses now are trying to get better. Uh, even the mentors and the gurus, um, and they're trying to get better, not because they often absolutely care to tell you honestly it depends some some of them are amazing courses and some are less they um they are getting better because they understand their liability so if you have a course and you do not teach that you need to check compliance you need to check patents you need to take to check trademarks and you don't even mention that and you just tell people go ahead just copy the product what's the problem just copy the paper plate and sell it on amazon you can be liable, okay? You can be liable indirectly uh, or directly. So um, with time, I actually see a change. Uh, we, you know, we're invited to speak about IP and uh, it's not because of my blue eyes or because people like me. Uh, it's because people want to protect themselves. Um, so, uh, so, you know, <clears throat> I try to educate as much as I can, but I see that, uh, with time, everybody tries to educate and people are understanding it's a new industry, right? I mean, the whole thing of private label, when I started at the end of 2015, it just started. I mean, people were like a year or two or three into the thing of FBA. Um, and now we're f just five years later, it's nothing. It's a new industry. So a lot of things are new, right? A lot of things are just understood too late uh, and understood because of mistakes that people are doing. Um, I think that, you know, people sh should take responsibility and should not trust anybody. One of the things we see the most is people who go to the seller support um, and ask for legal help. I mean, uh, you know, and then they, they, it's very naive, right? I mean, going to, um, to calling the seller support and, and asking, can I sell this product? Is it infringing on a patent? I see something about a pending patent. Is it okay if I sell it? And then the guy from the seller support is like, yeah, no problem. And they write it. Yes, you can sell it. There's no patent infringement. What happens once they're suspended? What happens? You know, Amazon say, yeah, it's your responsibility. Sorry, sorry for, uh, you know, sorry for that email or sorry for that advice. So for patent, it's, you know, funny, but with uh, with variations um, also, you know, people rely on, on, on seller support and I would do it too. You know, I would ask the seller support, is that, is this variation okay? Is it not? But the truth is it's actually complicated. Most sellers don't know what a, an okay variation is uh, and what's an illegal variation. So uh, the seller support doesn't know neither, right? Um, but the best way to learn is actually to, to read, sit and read the terms of service. Um, 
I explain a lot about it. I explain a lot of what to avoid. It's actually pretty simple. Once you know it, you make no mistakes. Uh, but you need to read about it. And most of the cells do whatever they, you know, they feel and they see others. So, you know, everybody in my category does this. So probably it's fine, right? But there's a difference between being legal and, you know, not being enforced, right? So the guy that was suspended for patents, the guy that was suspended for, uh, for, for an illegal variation, um, yes, there are 40 other doing the same thing, but you got caught. I mean, you got caught. It's not, I, I, it doesn't help me to tell Amazon, uh, you should reinstate me because the others are still here. What Amazon will tell you, thank you for reporting about the others, you know, we'll take care of them, but we cannot reinstate you because this, because this uh, variation is illegal. Um, so, so, so there's, if there's something, you know, I want to tell seller is never trust the seller support, right? Never trust the seller support. Um, and, and do your own checks and, and try to be as thorough as you can. You cannot do everything. Every seller does mistakes, right? Um, but try to, you know, try to participate in, in webinars, in masterminds. You know, if you go and listen to all of them, my, my one hour class about IP, I promise you, if you listen to it, you know, you, you minimize the risk by like 70%, you know, maybe. Yeah. 80 or 90% even, uh, if I'm not cautious, uh, most of the, the IP problems that you do can be avoided. Got it, man. This is a lot to take in. And I know we've covered a lot of different topics. I had no idea that, you know, Amazon, you couldn't sue, but I think it's interesting that, you know, basically what you said about educators in this space are liable. They can be liable. If an educator, if a course out there gives bad information, they can definitely be held liable for that. And I think that a lot of sellers are just starting to come to grips with that as a reality. And I think that's good for the industry because it's going to put the burden on educators to make sure they know what they're talking about. And it's going to weed out a lot of the bad apples and, and hopefully eliminate a lot of the mistakes that are costly. So thank you for sharing all this. This is really interesting to hear your perspective, you know, from a legal point of view. I know that there's a lot of other, you know, legal discussions and legal opinions that we could, uh, that we could carry on a conversation with regarding Amazon, especially everything that's going on in the news right now in the press. Yeah. I think that. 20, you know, the year 2020 is such a dumpster fire on so many counts that a lot of the stuff that would be big headlines right now aren't. Yeah. So I think it's going to be interesting as we move into 2021 and get through this Q4 to see where different accountability is, with, you know, upheld and where different liability is, you know, placed between sellers, sellers. But I think the main takeaway, even you agree with it, is I think that sellers have to do their due diligence. Sellers need to learn. We can't always blame someone else. We can't have that entitled, you know, perception of, oh, it's it's not my fault. This shouldn't have happened to me. I don't deserve this. You know, this is still a business. It's not a cheat. It's not a life hack. It's not a get rich quick scheme. This is a business. And although it's positioned differently than that, sometimes we need to remember that this is something that we have to take responsibility for ultimately and put in the work and and get our own education. Would you agree with that? I agree with that. Um, I think that education is the key. Um, I actually completely 100% understand sellers that, you know, listen to the course and say exactly what they tell them to do. Um, they actually try to go by the book. And I feel, I feel that 
in 90% of the cases, that's actually not their fault. Uh, but, yeah. uh, but on the other hand, I, you know, I try as much as I can to, to warn. And, uh, and, you know, if they listen and if they're around the community, if they're on Facebook and they see, and they see the post, then I hope that with time they'll know what to look for. And I hope that at the beginning, you know, during that first podcast or first YouTube uh, video that they saw about selling on Amazon, it will be there, um, you know, hopefully in a year or two, but it will be there and they'll avoid all that mess that, you know, could be avoided. Sure. Well, thank you so much for being on. I know we're about the end of our time. We'll wrap it up. If someone wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way to, uh, to get in contact with you or your team? Um, on Facebook, Yael Kabili, or uh, by email, it's Yael, Y-A-E-L, at e-kabili.com. Yeah, and for those of you that are watching this on YouTube, check the show notes below. And while you're checking the show notes for those links, make sure to hit that like button, smash that subscribe button, hit the share button, share this uh, one of your social platforms if, if you feel like this has been valuable to you. Yale, thank you so much for being on. I know that um, you and I have some other discussions that we need to, to wrap up with some stuff maybe coming up in the future, which will be uh, advantageous to sellers and going to be hitting you up for more content to share with the community. So thank you for being on. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you all on the next episode. Thanks for having me. Thank you.